Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, the founder of K-beauty brand Jellyco, the founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare and your guide to everything you need to know about what is trending in the world of Korean beauty. Welcome back to the show. And as we are wrapping up the year, I did mention last week that what I really want to do for the rest of the year, not every single week, but is take a bit of a look back at some of the trends that we have seen this year, and then also take a look forward into the future and, you know, just discuss some of the trends that I think we are definitely going to be seeing more of in 2024 and beyond. And, you know, a a little bit of a state of play, like where the industry is at, what are the defining characteristics of it at the moment, and where I see this kind of all ending up in in the near future. So to kick off our analysis, our market analysis, what I wanted to discuss for today's episode was some of the biggest market trends that we're seeing. And I'm really going to be taking sort of a helicopter approach to this, but looking at the really big defining trends that are characterizing the industry at the moment, rather than sort of delving into the micro trends, because in Korean beauty at any given point in time, there will always be undercurrents of trends and things that look like they might be about to take off. But then there are also just bigger ones that are kind of maybe so obvious that you don't even realize that they're a trend because they're just everywhere. So I wanted to kind of take a look at that and see where I think that this is all going to end up. So look, to kickstart it, I think these are the top trends that I've been seeing in the domestic Korean beauty market, particularly this year. And what I'm basing this off is keyword analysis. So what people are actually searching for, plus my review of the different brand press releases and the product releases throughout 2023, plus what some of the key players in the industry have actually come out and said themselves. So oftentimes you don't really need to guess where a lot of the companies are planning to take uh, their product development and their focus in the new year, because they'll pretty much come out and tell you that. And there are a couple of reasons for this. In the case of a lot of the bigger players in this market, they are publicly listed companies in Korea. So we're not talking about like the indie beauty companies and the startups like my brand Jellyco. We are talking about what we call in Korean Taekyop, which is big companies basically. Uh, and they are publicly listed on the Korean stock exchange, which means they are answerable to their investors. So they not only have to submit to audits with Korea's financial regulators uh, to you know t- say what they've been doing with their money but they also do need to come out and explain all of that to the people that hold stock in their companies and there are quite a few Korean cosmetic companies manufacturers that are actually publicly listed and this is why you will hear CEOs and key members of staff coming out and telling you you know the, the developments the any new patents that they have obtained 
obtained, what they are doing in their R&D labs, where they are trying to grow the company and take the company. Uh, And, you know, that's because oftentimes they've invested a lot of money into these kind of things. So they kind of need to explain to people exactly what they're going to be doing with that money uh, and whether the investors are going to see a return on their investment. Obviously, if you put money into this, that's what you want to know, right? Like business is business. It's a money-making endeavor. And to a certain extent, your ability to succeed in business will depend a little bit on what's trending. And particularly, Korea is very trend-focused and trend-based. But longer term, you need to have some sort of a strategy that's potentially maybe going to differentiate you from your competitors as well. So a lot of what the bigger companies are doing is picking up on some of these trends, but then trying to do it in their own way um, or, you know, gain market share, things like that. So they will come out and tell you what they're working on. So the really big one that I think is moving the industry at the moment and will shape it for the future is sustainability. This is just a conversation that a lot of brands are having and not only in the Korean beauty industry. This is really a topic that Korea in general is uh trying to tackle, struggling with tackling. Uh, And we've seen a whole host of different um, regulations, different policies that are aiming to transform the way that Korea deals with things like recycling. Uh, So, for example, one of the uh, things that has been really a defining thing for the Korean beauty industry in the last few years is the new recycling labels that have come into play. And they require the brands to actually specify on the packaging in Korean, the level of difficulty in recycling any given product. So a lot of the times you as a consumer might look at something and think, man, that's fine. I'll just chuck it in the recycling bin. But technically that can't be recycled or it's not as easy as you think it is because there are lots of different components in it. So the government actually came out with some regulations a few years back that would require companies to actually state this on the label. Another thing that has been ongoing here at the moment is is uh, the use of takeout cups and also straws. There's an ongoing debate and the government is flip-flopping around a little bit because businesses are having their input as well, how easy or difficult certain regulations are to actually carry out in practice. And this has real-life consequences for the companies that have invested into this kind of technology. Just in the news uh, the other week, I was reading about how manufacturers of paper straws were saying that if the government back flipped on the requirement for companies to get rid of plastic straws and use paper straws, they would go into bankruptcy essentially because they have invested their money today on the basis that they will get future returns. And if the government flip-flops on the policy and now plastic straws are back in play, that's going to have a real impact on their ability to ever see a return on their investment. And they've got loans and things like that. So this is not just uh, a Korean beauty problem. This is a Korean problem. This is a worldwide problem. Everyone is having these conversations. What can we do to be more sustainable? What can we do to uh, improve all of the issues that we are seeing? with the planet, with global warming, with the change in weather, you know, what can we do to actually contribute to that? So then that key concern has filtered down in a lot of different ways to the industry. 
uh, brands opting for things like label less products that don't actually have labels on them. Uh, and, you know, I discussed a while ago when I first saw these coming out, some of the issues with having a product that is label less. Uh, and one of the things is that, you know, a lot of the times uh, in countries like Australia, they will require you to actually have something on the product that tells you how to use it, for example, what the name of the product is, who the responsible company is that is distributing it. Uh, And if you have no label on it, you're kind of limited in what you can put on it because really how many things can you stamp into the mold to get all of that information on there? It's just not that easy. Uh, So, you know, there are other considerations that you have to take into, well, there are other considerations basically if you're going to be doing labelless products. I think I mentioned at the time that uh, I foresaw this being a thing only for bigger companies and only for products that already have a a bit of a cult following. Because one of the things as a new brand is that you really do need to establish your brand identity. And that is a signifier to your market, to the people that you are trying to attract with your product. This product is for you. Well, if you don't have a label on the product, that becomes a lot harder to do. Like, who is this product for? What age group? What skin type? Uh, You know, colors and use of um, fonts and all of those kind of things are very important signifiers for uh, brands and their consumers that match people up together. So I have seen more of that, but I do think that that has potentially um, limited appeal in the wider market for both brands and consumers. But, you know, it's a good idea to do it where you can, particularly if you're a brand that already has a cult following. I can totally see why that would appeal to you. Uh, Now, the other thing is that a lot more brands are uh, offering things like recycling stations. Um, Some brands have paired up with other companies that can do the recycling on their behalf. And look, I know that from what I have researched, some of those programs have issues with them. It's not as clear cut as it would seem, but nevertheless, I would argue that it's a step in the right direction. And the bigger companies that are churning out a lot of product into the market probably have a responsibility to then provide refill stations where you can actually go and do something proactive. So you'll see that in the bigger companies like Amore Pacific, this is something that they actually offer. Now, sustainable packaging. That's another thing that a lot of companies are doing. Uh, That is something that we are actively tackling, even at our end of the market, you know, as a very small brand with Jellico. So one of the things that we have committed to doing in 2024 that we are in the process of rolling out is actually offering refills for some of our liquid products, and we will have them available for our new releases as well. And why we do that is, you know, it's not a 100% plastic-free option, but it massively reduces the amount of plastic that you're putting out into the market. So one of the products that we will definitely be doing this for is our toner and that comes in 155 mil plastic uh, packaging and we went with plastic for that for a number of different reasons and one of the reasons is how lightweight it is which is a really important concern when you are shipping products all around the world because the heavier they are the more carbon emissions you get and you know it's just not ideal to be shipping very heavy products Um, we ship by freight wherever we can but that's not always possible when you're doing things online to people. So that was one of the things that we were really keen to get in store uh, and get to our customers 
if they were interested. And what we've seen from, you know, constant feedback and uh, trialing some different things is that people are actually interested in that. If there is a potential to have like a refill pack and you can just fill that into your plastic, people would take that option. And a lot of people do take that option. So that's just something really practical that you can do even as a smaller brand. Yes, it's an investment, but, you know, we think that that is the right thing to do so that we don't have all of this excess plastic around in the market, especially because we know what the repurchase rates are for a lot of our products. So knowing that people come back and buy more, it makes sense to give them the option to just refill the one they already have rather than constantly cycling through new bottles. So that's another thing that brands are doing as well. Another trend that I also think is linked to the sustainability trend is the use of multi-use products. Skip care, as it was being called in uh, Korea, I think it was being called skinimalism in some places as well. And what this is, is a move away, a shift away from doing really, really long, intricate routines towards doing more with less. So we're seeing multifunctional products, products that combine, for example, an essence and a toner into one. Maybe uh, it's a cream that combines the benefits of a few other different products into one. Uh, A really popular one at the moment is the toning pads over here in Korea. A lot of people use the toning pads in place of their cleanser. Some people use it in place of a sheet mask. So even though the pads themselves might not look like the world's most sustainable option, the way that people are using them is more sustainable than going out and buying three different products. So people are trying to make changes in their routine. A lot of multi-use products are coming onto the market. And that is, I think, linked to sustainability. It also is linked to uh, the pandemic. And we've spoken at length about all of the different changes that we saw in the market here in Korea as a result of the pandemic. Things like um, contactless skin t- uh, skincare. So Untacked was the, the name of that trend. And that was very, very popular. Uh, But, you know, people started using less products during the pandemic for a lot of different reasons. A lot of people, myself included, were experiencing skin irritation, all of these different skin issues. And so we were kind of going on a little bit of a skincare diet, trying to cut out unnecessary products and just use the products that the skin really responded well to. So that naturally condensed the routine. You know, people were wearing a lot less makeup than ever before. So you don't need as many products to maybe get all of the makeup off. Uh, So a lot of different things are feeding into these, but I think at a wider level, sustainability really is behind a lot of these conversations that people are having. And in Korea, this trend really is being led by the MZ generation. Uh, And that is millennials and Gen Z, Gen Z, however you prefer to pronounce that, which are really grouped together here in Korea as a singular generation. And I guess that's in contrast to the boomers and the older people that have, you know, their own things that they're conscious about when they're shopping and using skincare products. So they are, um, you know, really behind a lot of these things. Some of the other changes that I've seen just, you know, in the past few years here in Korea is that brands are starting to package their online orders quite differently. Back in the day, one of the things I lamented when I first moved over here was the sheer amount of plastic that used to be in all of my deliveries. And it made me feel terrible because, you know, for some things it is just easier to get them online. But then seeing the amount of plastic and waste that was generated from an online order made me feel really uncomfortable. So these days, a lot of brands 
and even the Korea Post at their post outlets, they are doing the recyclable paper um, packaging in place of bubble wrap. And it's basically a type of paper. You might have seen it that you can like pull out uh, and it kind of pops up a little bit and you shove that in the box instead of plastic bubble wrap and it protects the products while they're in transit. So that's another thing that has uh, popped up here uh, for online uh, takeaway and things like that. They will now have an option. The default setting for most of the online food delivery places is no cutlery. If you want cutlery, say you're out and about having a picnic at the park or something like that, and you don't have chopsticks with you or a knife and fork with you, you can opt in to getting them delivered, but they're not delivered as standard. And that's great because a lot of the time people are sitting at home ordering takeaway. They have a whole kitchen at their disposal. They don't need plates. They don't need cups. They don't need, you know, chopsticks or knives and forks because we've already got all of that at home. So that's another thing too that has been uh, linked to sustainability. So this is really encompassing a lot of different industries here in Korea, not just K-beauty. Now, I think that we will likely see a change in the focus of sustainability. Uh, And what I mean by that is at the moment, a lot of brands are really leaning into this EWG green grade rating system. I know you guys have seen it. I know a lot of people take it as gospel uh, and certainly a lot of brands in Korea, the way they talk about it, you would think that it is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, But really, we're talking about eliminating certain ingredients from the formula and eliminating, in some cases, very good ingredients like retinol, which is given a red rating on the EWG uh, red, green and amber light system. So there's not a whole lot of science backing up the rating that certain ingredients are given. Uh, But I think that that has been the focus that has been the focus of clean beauty, which is also being linked here in Korea to sustainability. And I will get into that. But I think that we are going to see a change in focus. If for no other reason, then this is not a distinguishing feature for any brand in Korea at the moment. What once started out as a way to differentiate yourself from other products in the market has now just become so commonplace that it really doesn't give you a lot to talk about. It doesn't give you much of a platform if your only claim to fame is that you use the EWG green grade rating system. And indeed, when we were talking to our chemists and developing our line for Jellico, they just assumed that we would want to manufacture to the EWG green grade rating system. And I was like, no, 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 we're making scientifically backed formulas here. We are going with the proven ingredients that we know work at certain percentages. Like miss me with all of that. That is not what we are here to do. And they were a little bit like, whoa, okay. Um, (laughs) All right. This girl's a bit crazy, but that is kind of where it's gotten to in the industry that people just assume that that's what you're going to do because that's what everyone does. But when everyone's doing it, it's harder to stand out. Now, here in Korea, uh, maybe, unfortunately, depends on which side of the fence you stand on. It has become such a necessity and a requirement to manufacture to the EWG green grade rating standard that some customers won't even consider the brand if it doesn't have that. Uh, So it has its own problems if you are selling your products and marketing them here in the Korean market. Um, They have done a very, very good job, the brands of convincing people that this is a necessity and a requirement. Uh, But that has been 
been a characteristic of the clean beauty movement and very closely linked to sustainability, the natural uh, skincare movement, people thinking that natural is better, uh, you know, natural beauty products at all costs. And that brings me on to clean beauty. Look, I don't like the way that clean beauty is marketed. I don't have any problem with people choosing, you know, uh, natural plant-based ingredients for their face if that's what they want to do. But I have a real problem with the idea that, uh, you know, some products are clean and therefore what the others are dirty. Like it just makes no sense. I don't think any brand is stupid enough to purposely formulate a product that is harmful to the skin, um, you know, on just such a base level, you know, harmful to the skin. And by that, I don't mean that it's going to cause a reaction in some people because like retinol causes a reaction in most people. And that is by no means a dirty, bad ingredient. But, you know, just this idea that brands set out to harm people makes no economic sense. It makes no logical sense. Uh, and so I just, uh, you know, I, I just I'm, I'm a logical person, guys. I'm, I'm a lawyer. So it just I don't understand this way of marketing it. It's like so you're suggesting that your brand has gone out, discovered what all of these ingredients that are more pure and natural. And then everyone else on the market is just dirty and, you know, selling dangerous chemicals like it doesn't make any sense from a brand's perspective to go out and do that. But this is a very popular trend as it is in Western beauty in Korea as well. And there are a lot of reasons for that. It has been marketed extremely successfully and linked, of course, to a lot of these other trends. And I will come on to vegan beauty in a minute uh, because vegan and sustainability in Korea are closely linked together. But uh, Huahe, which is one of the local uh apps here in Korea that shares ratings and things like that, that people have rated all these different products. They obviously do a lot of industry uh, research and they released their 2025 trend report, uh, which included clean beauty. They think that's going to be one of the bigger trends. And what they said is clean beauty is actually showing a steady growth. Skincare at 37% on social media, makeup at 26%. This is like clean beauty makeup and hair care at 13%. Uh, so they think that, you know, the, the brands have really tapped in to the people that want more eco-friendly consumption with their claims around clean beauty. And that's why they foresee that this trend will continue. And I certainly think that they are on the money. They are 100% correct. Like this trend is not going anywhere soon. And that's going to bring me on to the next trend. Uh, and that is vegan beauty. I just think that it seems almost impossible to launch a new product in Korea these days for the domestic market that isn't marketed as vegan. And the reason this surprises me is not because I think that people, that animals should suffer for our beauty and that all products should have animal byproducts in them. Not at all. The reason it surprises me is because the majority, the vast majority of Koreans are not vegan when it comes to their lifestyle outside of, you know, cosmetics. So only 0.2% of Koreans, approximately, according to some research, avoid meat. 0.2% of the population, based on some studies that have been done, avoid meat in Korea. And vegans 
are even rarer. So it's not that society here is overwhelmingly vegan. Uh, I'm sure there are some Buddhists that are, but many, many beauty brands here are turning vegan. And the reason they are doing that is not necessarily to do with the animal-friendly angle. For some it is, but for most of them, it's because they have managed to successfully make this link in the eyes of Korean consumers that vegan equals more environmentally friendly. And that to me is just a logical leap that does not make a whole lot of sense because to be more environmentally friendly, any ingredient, you would really need to be looking into how that one ingredient is then actually produced. How much water does it take to produce this? How much transport is involved in bringing the ingredient, you know, to the manufacturer? Like there are so many more things than just not containing an animal byproduct that go into claims of sustainability and environmentally friendly, but that is kind of missing in this discussion here, in my opinion. And younger Korean consumers believe that vegan products are inherently better for the environment. That is why it's linked to the sustainability trend and searches for vegan on the Huawei app have increased 2,600. So that's 2,600% in the last two years. So, you know, I think I joked a while ago that it was almost impossible to get on a subway here last year without seeing a new vegan beauty release. Some established brands have redone all of their existing products and are now marketing them as vegan toner, vegan serum, vegan mist spray. It's just vegan, vegan, vegan. It's like, oh, this is a vegan lip tint. Um, And it's really just to capture this keyword that people are searching for. And you have to be a little bit skeptical about brands jumping on the vegan trend when the consumers that are buying the products aren't necessarily vegan themselves and don't you know, subscribe to a vegan lifestyle in any other respect other than the cosmetics they're using. Or maybe that's me. Maybe I'm just an old cynic. But for me, I'm like, mm, that one thing does not necessarily lead to the other. Like, has anyone thought about this at a deeper level? I, I'm not sure. However, it has been really linked to all of these things, sustainability, clean beauty as well. And clean beauty at the moment in Korea is dominated by the sleek minimalism, serif fonts, all of these things that you see popping up in your Instagram feed. You know, that is what brands are really leaning into to signal to their consumers that we are clean, we are green, we are animal friendly, we're more sustainable, you should buy this product. Um, so that is not going to change anytime soon. If for no other reason than too many brands have already invested in this, we are going to be seeing it continue in the market coming into 2024 for sure. And probably 2025 as well. So clean beauty, vegan beauty, sustainability. These are all key words that we are going to be seeing more of coming into 2024. Look, I'm going to wrap up today's episode here. I do want to continue this discussion, but I will do it in the next episode. So if you have enjoyed today's show, I would love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. Uh, And a big shout out to all of the Aussies who are listening to the show. The show made it into the top 10 of the podcast rankings last week. So a big thank you for that. And I will see you on Style Story until we speak again. Yeah.